You're listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke. A new edition of Real Folk. This is sort of series two, although I'm probably not going to separate them as series. So I think it's number 15, if I'm not wrong. And joining me today, I'm very excited, is a fellow comedian and performer and writer. And uh, you may have heard of him, but it's unlikely that you'll have heard of him by this name, which is, of course, his real name, which is Benjamin Bankley Bello. I think I've said that correctly, hopefully. Um, And uh, you will recognise him possibly as his alter ego, President Obonjo. So welcome aboard, Ben. Hey, how are you, Joe? Long time no see. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? I was thinking when we, uh, well, the first time I met you, I think it was Edinburgh 2015 and it was outside Cowgate. We were both at Cowgate. Yes, I remember you very, very well. Do you? I had no idea. Uh, yes, of course, because I was screaming my head out trying to get people to come to the show and i remember you making some comments at the time not knowing that i had to reserve my energy for the show itself i think the show started outside flying <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that is the thing it's it's a hard it's so hard isn't it i mean you write the show you're performing the show and then literally most of the day you're out flying and then literally yeah. just before you start the show you're out trying to drum up as many people as possible how yeah. was it for you that year? Oh, it was fantastic. Even though I didn't, I have to confess, looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. When I said I had no idea what I was doing, I knew I wanted to perform. I knew I wanted to get better in Edinburgh. But I had no idea how the show was going to, um, how people were going to respond to the show. I had no idea how Edinburgh Fringe walked anyway. I was just excited that I was in this cupboard. I call it a cupboard. They were. <laughs> Glorified yeah, cupboards, it, it, fire it, it, hazards. And 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 before no reviewers, I had no idea what reviewers were. I just literally didn't have an idea how comedy worked, how the promotion of comedy worked in Edinburgh. But lo and behold, someone heard about me who happened to be a reviewer who came over the second day and he was just blown over and wrote an article about what he had seen. And I just saw people come into the show and it was a free show. I had no idea what was happening. I just kept doing my show. And then before I knew what was happening, I got a review from um, Fringe Guru, five-star review. Amazing. Uh, and, it, and I think that I think that's where the act actually made its name known. It was in Edinburgh rather than in the comedy circuit. It was in Edinburgh that things actually started to happen because I've been gigging since, the 20, since 2011, but not making any impact whatsoever. Then I went to Edinburgh and I just started receiving all these sort of gigs and I just... What the hell is going on? And I just thought, yes, life at the Apollo in six months' time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, is it? It's that you think that's it, your dream. It's all going to happen now. And then it's the peaks and trough of uh, of being a performer and a creative. It's like when, when it's good, you just think, right, okay, this is it now. And then usually, yeah. not always, it's suddenly <laughs> the carpet's pulled out from under you again. But it's not. It's not like it's pulled out. I think. I think if I had to do Edinburgh again, I did it last year. I did. I've done it four times. I think. You just need to be strategic in your approach. You need you need to do your market research, understand what are you going there for. Certainly in 2015, I went there because I wanted to be better as a comic. I wasn't expecting any reviewers. And then in 2017, I knew I had built an audience. I always go back to Edinburgh because I knew that my fans were there and they were expecting me. And again, 2019 was 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 bigger because that was the year that I made the Heath headlines. When, yeah, so um, we, we need to go into that one. So just before yeah, we go into that, because that, yeah, that yeah. is the big, that yeah. is the massive story, really, I suppose. 
Um, But just going back slightly from 2015, when we first uh, met at the same venue, how did you even get into comedy and stand up? Is you know, are you from a performance background, or did you just I, wake I'm up not, on I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just one of these. I would say, and it's it, it will come across as if one is being big headed. I'm just one of these natural performers. I see myself as a natural comedian long before anyone said I was funny. At the age of five, my father used to get me to come with him whenever he was driving around, and he. I remember him saying to me, "Oh, you are so funny." So that was my first reviewer before Steve Bennett, before Bruce Desayu, before any of before Brian Logan. My reviewer was my dad. Um, but um, and I, I was born in Liverpool, then went back to Nigeria at the age of five. And um, I knew I knew I wanted to be funny, but I knew that I had the gift to be funny. But I wasn't really encouraged in Nigeria because in Nigeria, you're not allowed to be a comedian. Uh, a comedian is is that you, you you're just going to be poor basically. So I didn't really have the courage to do anything about comedy while I was in Nigeria from set 1970. Let me remember 71 up until 1985 when I arrived in the UK. But I did know that every time I was around people, people would invite me to parties because they found me funny. That was basically it. And then um, in 1990, ooh, so 1985 up until. I didn't do anything about comedy until when Obama became president in 2008. And um, I I suspect that my wife was attracted to Obama. That's when I became president. It was, it was just, it was so annoying because, you know, I'm a black man. I think I'm as handsome as Obama, but she always kept talking about Obama, Obama. Yeah. And I do, and I do remember that my nickname is Obonjo and Obonjo sounds like Obama. So I created a Facebook account and I started posting stuff about how I wanted to run for president in Nigeria. And I had a flurry. I just, I, I just had long before people started using social media to promote, to promote their comedy. I had been doing that even before I went on stage. So you could almost call me in, in, in 2010, I was more of a social media comedian. I had no idea that I was going to go on stage. I had no idea that I could actually perform comedy. I just knew that I was funny online until, until someone invited me to a wedding reception. And it happened to be a wedding reception where um, I'm, I'm sure it's not the same with the English, but with, with African weddings, they have someone like a compare, similar to someone who compares at a comedy club. Right, have, like a master of ceremonies. Like a master of ceremony, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. And so the master of ceremony didn't show, but the, my friend then said, oh, Obonjo, you are so funny. I think you can anchor this. Just take it, take it, help us, help us. With 300 people, I just went on stage and I did what I needed to do, warming up the crowd, introducing the guests. But I didn't know that there was someone who was uh, an expert in stand-up comedy. And he came to me, an English guy, and he said to me, I have never been to a Nigeria wedding where someone actually controls the audience, but not only controls, entertains them, but you were the soul of the party. Have you ever tried stand-up comedy? And I just thought, stand-up, what's stand-up comedy? That's so <laughs> strange because um, from what you said, it sounds like you sort of, you were ahead of the curve there, Ben, because if you were a sort of online sensation and doing sort of yeah. social media stuff way yeah. before most people were, and then yeah. so then you sort of almost went what would be considered backwards now. Yes, de- exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I just went backwards. So um, he took me to, a com- to the comedy store 
And when I went to the comedy store, I was performing as a civilian president. So I was performing as President Abonjo, but not in uniform. But I did the gong show and I, and I lasted 48 seconds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I went back there again because I was determined because that was the only way I could get my way into gigs across the UK. Yeah. So I went back there several times and I cracked it. But I went there twice as a civilian president. And then in 2000, and uh, I think it was 2011, Obama was facing some problems with the Republicans. And um, I just thought to myself, what would Obama do if he was a real African president? He would become a dictator. So I was at an army shop, a secondhand army shop, and I bought, I bought a uniform. So I took it to the comedy store and I killed the comedy store. Five minutes, lasted five minutes. I didn't win the gong. But I did very, very well. Amazing. That must yeah. have felt, that must have been huge. It was huge. It was just posting the photograph on Facebook and people saying, oh, you found your mojo, you found your mojo. So I, I think when I look at my career, I'm what you call an accidental comic. I didn't plan anything. I just wanted to, uh, as soon as I got the bug for comedy, then I said, yeah, I, I can take this seriously. But at the very beginning, I was just an accidental comic who just wanted to have fun on stage and just try it and see and see it. But things just materialized. So the next thing was obviously you sort of you've got your uniform and you've established over many years this uh, President Abonjo character. And yeah. then it was, as we sort of mentioned earlier on, it was 2019, wasn't it, when something strange happened in the neighborhood yes. <laughs> the comedy neighborhood <laughs> oh well uh, well yeah yeah 2019 so i i switched on twitter and i saw an article from steve bennett it's not like steve contacted me to say oh obonja what do you think about this i saw an article um to say um bbc studios and e4 are launching a new african dictator sitcom i mean it's every it's every performer's writers you know character stand-ups nightmare isn't it to work so hard for so many years on a character yeah, it's, and, and read that yeah I read and I read it and I just thought what they have and it didn't sink in until because I'm a fairly I'm, I'm fairly laid back about these things when I say I'm fairly laid back I take my time to digest information so I just posted and I said this is an interesting development and before I knew it I woke up the next morning and the whole comedy community was on it yeah and they actually, for a few hours, the comedy community were more angry about it than I was. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I suppose, I, I possibly, and it's a it's an army term. Perhaps you were in shell shock <laughs> as well. You know, it's um, and I suppose the rest of us when we saw it, because I know how I felt when I saw it. I was horrified, absolutely horrified, because as I've said, I think it plays to all of our fears that you know we work so hard. Um, you know, honing our craft and our characters and our work. And it is very, very easy for one of the big companies to just come in and swipe it all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I almost lost everything. It was 10 years of hard work. And, you know, with the rejections, with the self-belief that I knew I had created something unique within the comedy industry, it may or will not be what the comedy industry wants. But in my view, you have to have your own voice, you have to have your own, you have to determine your own comedy journey. Not everybody's going to be picked up by the gatekeepers. And that's the way I've seen my my career in comedy. So it was almost like, wow, I've worked for 10 years. They're going to take this off me. And that's it. I'm done. Oh. I'm done. So I had to fight back. But I fought back in a way that wasn't confrontational. Um, I was lucky, yes. I had um, lots of people support me along the way. 
But I said to myself, even there was someone who approached me who was joking and said, what if they give you half a million? Will you just sell the character to the BBC? Interesting. What was your response to that? No way. I, I, I had walked blood, sweat, tears, uh, a loving a loving wife who who saw my pain, my children at times when I'm not around, I was gigging all over the all over, trying to perfect what I had created on stage for half a million pounds. I'm sorry, no, half a million, and not and not do anything about President Abonjo. Nah, President Abonjo is part of me. That's why it works. That would be like I mean, killing me. <laughs> and to be honest, I saw the uh, the comedian that was supposed to be doing this new uh, version of you, and. It, it, it just left me um, completely sort of dumbfounded as to why they would have thought it even worked because your character is so believably funny and sits better with someone your age, with your experience and, yeah. you know, with everything, yeah. you know, that we see on a daily basis from various dictatorships, the, the way you've played it just is the reason it works, you know. And so to have a younger guy come in and be sort of smiley about it, and it, it just was really, um, I found it really jarring. But I don't know if that's because I'd seen you. And whenever I think of a, a comedy dictator, I think of Ben, you know, that's who I think of. So I think when you saw this um, <laughs> interloper, you were like, and who, you, you know, what's this about? This doesn't feel right. It just didn't feel right, you know. Yeah, even it, it, it's got to a stage that when anybody sees any black man in uniform, even real army soldiers, they send me a picture to say, oh, I was thinking of you today. That's how <laughs> the brand has really, really worked. But you're you're massive on TikTok, aren't you as well? Huge. Yes, half a million followers on TikTok. Wow. And, and people genuinely believe that they're talking to a real president. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that so what sort of do they do they interact with you on that level? So they interact with me. So I do presidential speeches. Uh, I talk about, so the, the 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 most recent thing, actually there's been several that hit the news. The the one that really hit the news was, um, the very first one that hit the news was, you remember a couple of, uh, probably about 40 days ago um, when Donald Trump was arrested? Yes. So I did a video in my bedroom in Hertfordshire with uniforms that I bought from Stephen H. And I, I, did a very one minute video to Donald to um, Biden. And I said, look, Biden is my friend. Uh, no, Donald Trump is my friend. I hear you've arrested him. I'm giving you 24 hours notice. If you do not, if you do not release Donald Trump, I will invade America. What happened? Oh, you will not believe what happened, Joe. Um, so I recorded that video, posted it at eight o'clock on Friday. By Saturday, my phone was ringing. When I say ringing, what I didn't realize is that I had gone viral. Oh Not God. only had I gone viral on, on TikTok, I'd gone viral on, on Twitter. A MAGA supporter, a Donald Trump supporter with 8.5 million followers on Twitter, tweeted, African president supports Donald Trump. Do you know, that's one of those things that's, that is like, wow, on so many levels. It's an onion wow, isn't it? It's like, wow, that that happened. Yeah, I got free PR. Free yeah, publicity yeah. because everybody was debating whether I was a comedian or a president. <laughs> the Democrats did their research. They found that I was a comedian and they were making fun of the Republicans. So every time they spoke, they, they tweeted about it, they'll make the, the Democrats will make fun of the Republicans. Mm -hmm. Three days later, Reuters gets in touch with me. Reuters press agency get in touch with me through my website that they need to fact check me to check whether I'm a comedian or a president because I'm causing problems in America. Sorry, that is hilarious.
That yeah, is Joe. hilarious. So, so you've caused problems in America. So, they- so, so, so someone said you have pranked the Republican Party. <laughs> oh, a, I couldn't a, love you more. On a serious note, what was really interesting for me was that people cannot tell the difference yeah, between scary. it's real and what is fiction. Yeah. And for me to put on that uniform and for people to believe that I'm a real president, and these are the people that we are trusting to make choices about who should run their country. Yeah, well, we've put, you know, the the 99% have managed to put the 1% of idiots in charge, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. And and that was was one of the, that that was the biggest story this year. And then following it, there was a time I was doing a live TikTok. Someone reported me on TikTok to say, how could you allow an African warlord to be on TikTok? So I was banned for a week. Oh, my goodness. You know, it makes me happy, but it also makes me very sad about the state of affairs that we're in as a country and a, and a globe at the moment. It's like, but, you know. But it, it just shows that the educational system has failed. Yeah. I, you know, I would have thought that if someone presents something to you, you will do your research. These people genuinely believe that I am a real president. And when I'm on Saturday from 9 to 10 in character. They're asking, why is Sunak not on TikTok? Why is Biden not on TikTok? Why are you so different from all these world leaders? Tell me how half a million pound against what I have been able to achieve over the last, it's been painful. It's been a painful journey. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And recently I did a a walking progress show because I don't have an agent. I don't have PR. I did a walking progress show in Leicester Comedy Festival called African Zaleski and Brian Logan from The Guardian came to review the show. I don't know if you know Brian Logan, but he's he's a comedy critic. Wow. And I, that's a big that's a big thing. The fact that he actually came. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote he wrote an article in in the uh, in the Guardian and his the pullable quotes are a compelling presence on stage and what the fuck did I just see? <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's that, what more comedians couldn't want for more, could they? That I mean that's just wonderful. That's absolutely yeah. wonderful. And I was just thinking, I mean, I've got no idea um, why you wouldn't be snapped up by an agent and why you haven't been already. I've, I've got no idea. And also, quite frankly, having this conversation does make you realise that half a million is an insult, actually, uh, mm. to be offered for the mm. amount of work you've done and mm. to steal your, you know, your life's work and your career, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. um you know, it is ridiculous. But I do wonder, I was just wondering at the same time if, you know, agents and PR people are a bit like the the one percent in that they're worried about what to do with you, that they don't they don't quite they don't quite know how they would handle it, you know. So so someone said to me, is that because I went I remember attending a a comedy industry showcase. And someone said to me, It's not like we don't know you, it's just that we don't know what we're gonna do with you. Ah, so they've said that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and also when I look at the guy who was selected to play um my character, um, the character called Corian Banjoko, he has a he has a higher profile in terms of he's a BAFTA, he was a BAFTA nominee. I think you need to be in that circle. I think because I have formed my I, I don't know. I just think that because I have been doing this for so long and that they're probably looking for someone who they can mold. If that makes sense. I know it does make sense. And I also think what they like to do is to have, um, even though it's people that are usually well known on the circuit that they pick up, they they quite often like to suggest that they've discovered you. And you've already got millions of viewers on TikTok (laughs) and this, that and the other. It's a bit difficult for them to qualify what exactly they've done. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and, and for me, it's always, it's not like I've never been approached. There have been agents who've approached me, but I've said, okay, fine. What are you going to bring to the table? If you yeah. can't get me on TV, then don't bother because it's not like I'm not getting gigs. I'm busy with gigs. I have a, uh, a comedy special on on ITVX called Stolen, which was yes, in- I watched it. I've watched it. Wow, wow, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I think it's very clever, and I love the. Well, I won't give away what you do, actually, but yeah. um, it's a sort of deconstruction, isn't it, of character stand up? Exactly, and that, and that's what happened in in 2015. Um, and that's why I think it got such uh, a big um, story in the news because uh, the view is that when you're in character, you stay in character, you don't come out of character. But I think psychologically there there was this, and that is what Brian Logan said in his article, that there was some confusion. And I think for me, I've often not necessarily struggled, that there's a part of me that wants to do stand-up comedy. Yeah? So that I'm fighting with a character on stage if that makes sense. Yeah. So we're both yeah. fighting for for that voice. And I can stay in character when I want to, but I just think it's fascinating. And that's what happened in 2015. It was 45 minutes of President Obonjo and then 15 minutes of myself saying how much I'd, the character sleeping with my wife, driving my car, <laughs> the M6, taking all my money, stolen my identity. Who am I? I don't even know who I am anymore. I think it's really interesting. And, I, you know, actually the show that I did last year at Bath Festival and um, Brighton, and I was, I'm was i trying to take it up to Edinburgh this year, but I still haven't got a venue yet, but um, is this not, not dissimilar in the fact that it's it mines a deconstruction of um, celebrity culture, but it is yeah. that it is that dichotomy of, you know, that the, the you that's the writer and creator mm-hmm. usually isn't as gregarious and confident as the character that you put on stage so it gets easier for you to do it if you're a character and then when you suddenly have to do straight stand-up which we've both done both Mm -hmm. um it is hard when you first do that because it feels so you feel so vulnerable and you feel so um exposed you know it's really exposing isn't it yeah it it is exposing but i remember someone saying to me because the the accusation at the time was that um uh, until until that 2019 thing broke. Actually, what was really interesting, that 2019 um, story, uh, not that I worry about what people think about me, but it was very, very interesting how some people said a few things on the internet about how long I've been going and uh, they didn't think I was very good as a character comedian or some people said, oh, he got better. You know, it's just really interesting. Mm. However, however, I think... The, what's what I found because I do straight stand up as well now, but not that I'm trying to kill the character because even my fans won't let me kill the character. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd have to be assassinated, wouldn't he? Yeah, we'll have to be assassinated. We'll have to be dead. <laughs> but but it's how how certain promoters will not give you the opportunity to actually perform as a stand up comedian because all they've seen is the so you're almost pigeonholing yourself to that character. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Now, for example, when I arrive at gigs and the uniform is in the bag, a promoter will think that, oh, my God, what, what have you done? Where, where's, where's President Bonjo? And I'm thinking, yeah, he's, he's in the bag. I'm, 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 I would have put him on. It's not like <laughs> Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. But it's, it's funny, I, isn't it? Because why should they think that? Because, you know, I, I do character stand-up and I, and I love it. And I love straight stand-up as well, for, mm-hmm. obviously, for very different reasons. They're very different sort of um, principles mm-hmm. involved. But it's quite it should be clear to promoters and people that if you can write an amazing stand-up character and have the place you know mm. in floods tears of laughter that 
you can do it as a stand up as well. You know, it, you obviously you might feel that you um, need to work at that a bit more if you've if you've first done stand up as a character. But you know, you should you should be able to get some stage time and have people trust you a bit, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there've been there've been instances where they've where, where they've been able to do that, and and it's been it's been a, a pleasure to be able to do it. But I yeah. think because I remember someone saying to me that. Uh, and it was, a, I don't want to mention the comics now, but she's a, a female comic who really just liked what I did. She's, she's on the top of her game. And she basically said to me, I don't know why people are saying you don't do straight stand up because, yes, you're in uniform, but you're cracking jokes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> it's and crazy. Yeah, it go on. It is crazy. I was just going to ask you as well uh, the shows that you've done, have you done an hour long show as a as straight or is it just President that's done the hour longs? So, so there is there is plan to do an hour show in Hastings in June as Benjamin. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, Fifty Shades, Fifty Shades of Crazy States. That's the plan, <laughs> and is to talk about how I pranked America and how the. Well, it's not just about pranking America; just how social media. Uh, it's very difficult for people to understand what's real and what's not real, yeah. and. The educational system has failed across the world. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's the that's the plan to do an hour, and it would be my first hour as as um, yourself as myself. Even though what was really interesting, and if you've got time, I could send you that link as well. It's probably what referencing it. it. What was really interesting was because I when I did that show at Leicester Comedy Festival on the 9th of February, and Brian Logan came. It's really interesting. This is the first time that he someone has actually referenced my name rather than the president, if that makes sense, and says, Belo is a compelling presence on stage uh. as President Abonja. So um, it was really interesting. So that that's a quote that I can use as myself <laughs> as well, if I yes. want to. Yes. Yeah, that's ama- that is amazing, actually. Yeah, I yeah. wonder why. So they normally just, they refer to it as President Abonja in all the other reviews. So, so that so he talks about President Abonjo, but he then talks about the confusion between yeah. President Abonjo and Ben and 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 Bello. And then he he said, even though the title says President Abonjo said X Y Z, but when you read the article, he talks about Bello as well and says Bello is a and there's a photo of me as no, there's a photo of the character, but he says Bello as President Abonjo is a compelling presence on stage, and I I'm still trying to figure out why he did that, but. I think I think for people I think for most people you might because you do character comedy. Uh, I've often been criticised at times that uh, I should not deconstruct the character and that I should I should just stay in character. Um, but I think it just offers a different dimension to it. And yeah, I and that- I think it's I think it's an interesting view, and especially in the current climate with with like you said the fact that people don't seem to understand the difference. So yeah. it's it's an interesting slant on things. Um, I suppose it depends on the audience and, um, and and what they're expecting. I think at festivals and things, people are a lot more open to experimental stuff and to being yes. um, provoked into thinking about something, but not necessarily on your every night stand-up shows. That's why, in, having done it for a number of years, uh, I think I've grown to realise that the the character is more of a festival comic and feels freedom and the opportunity to create things differently as a festival comic rather than doing comedy for 20 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. And and it, what was really interesting is that you said you watched um, the ITVX um, comedy special Stolen. 
I was surprised they took that because it's so, and the way the audience went with it, because they, they, they didn't know, none of them knew me. <laughs> they never heard I was surprised. I was going to ask you about this. So who approached who? So they approached you about that. And then how did you get bums on seats for that? Because if it wasn't. So, people- so it, 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 it was, it was, so it was a, a two hour hander with, um, with Jambi. So I mean, Jambi and myself, we walked together to get the audience. So she, I think if I remember correctly, she did her first hour and then there was a break and then I did my hour. Right. Yeah. So that's what happened. And then I, I, I got a deal with Next Stop and then Next Stop said that ITVX wanted it. And, and that was it. The end was, that was the end of it. And did you enjoy the whole process? Oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, at, at the time I, I was, it was going so well um, that I thought, because I, I just thought it reminded me of the 2015 show as well, if it was different. But as you know, the, the show was about how BBC Studios and E4 tried to steal the character of me. But then it just reminded me that, my God, this is this is like deja vu. It, I should call it stolen and maybe just show them a little glimpse of what it's like <laughs> to, 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 to have a character steal your entire identity as well. So that's why I called it Stolen and I merged almost the two together at the very, very end. But it was a different show from, from the one in 2015. I really enjoyed it and I loved, I loved the way the, the audience went for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was great. I, I only watched it last night, actually. And if anyone's thinking of watching it, it's um, when I tried to find it on ITVX, I typed in Stolen first because that's what it was called. And uh, mm. I, it didn't come up and you had to t- type in President President yeah. Bonjo to get it. So mm. just a little tip for anyone listening that wants to see Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> don't, don't type in Stolen. It doesn't come up. Or go <laughs> to or go to Ben's uh, website, which is, is, is it, that's President Bonjo, isn't it? Yeah, that's www.presidentabonjo.com. Yeah. yeah, and then you can, I think, click on the link from there. Yeah, yeah cool, cool. So um, talking about people mixing up art and life, how do your family deal with your um, character creations and your comedy life? So what? So what's really interesting is I, uh, it was one of many reasons why I wrote the show President Bonjo Stole My Identity because it's really interesting because I'm I'm going to be running the character workshop uh, soon on next Saturday, and um, there are a series of questions I need to address. And um, someone was talking about social media and what impact it has on doing character comedy, and do you need to have a social media presence in character? I can only speak from my experience, and my experience is that what I what I grew to realize that I started performing on stage is that there were audiences who not only wanted to engage with the character on stage, but wanted to hear from the character after the show had ended. Yeah. yeah. So that meant that it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's only when the pandemic came in to, to when was it? You know, when 2020 that I realized that, wow, at times I don't switch off from this character when I'm not on stage. And um, I remember in 2015, my son, that is why I wrote the show. My son said to me, dad, I don't even know who's my dad anymore. I don't know whether it's President Bonjo or whether it's Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> how old is your son? Oh, no, he's 18 now. But then he was, uh, how, old, how old was he then? He was, he was uh, uh, 15, 20. 15. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when it dawned on me that, wow. Yeah, my, my wife never complained about it. But there are times she would just say, oh, um yeah, Mr. President, wear that uniform when we're making you looking love to me. 
and what about your parents and your <laughs> other relatives? Do they? Oh, so, so, my, my, certainly my, my, because I, uh, I'm one of these comics who took up comedy in middle age. And so I know that the people I went to school with in Nigeria think there's something wrong somewhere upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why is it people think that? Instead of going, oh my God, they're so creative, they go, clearly they're insane. <laughs> yeah, so, eccentric, insane. Um, my mom, um, she she calls me a bonjo. She calls me president of bonjo. But I remember there were times when she would say to me, you know, you've been doing this comedy in uniform for a long time now. Have you ever thought of maybe you should just slow down a little bit? Uh, and then she would joke and say, I'm praying for you. I'm going to get a pastor. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> it's so, it's, so funny, isn't it? How people, it, I suppose, but in a way, they don't, they, they've got no concept of, of what it is, really. I mean, I, that's how I feel with my mum. She, she always, whenever I say I'm doing a show, her response is, Do you have to? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think actually, I, what, what I would say to you is that. We we are we having done because written off stuff about the character comedy workshop. It's almost like you're you're in your own world, your own fictional world. That's the way I see it, and you can't let anybody in unless they understand what's in that world. Yeah, and and that and that is that is quite an interesting. But I've got I've got my my family and and friends are, are supportive of it. Um, uh, let's not talk about work, <laughs> which is a different thing entirely. What do you, and that's an interesting thing because the other thing is people um, that are not in the comedy industry or the arts might mm. be listening to this and think, oh, well, that's obviously um, a case of living the dream and, you know, he's doing all this. It's amazing. He's probably making his living out of that. But very often we are not. <laughs> so, what so, do you, so, what's, so what's really interesting is I, I, think, I, I think after the pandemic, before the pandemic, I think people frowned upon the fact that um, you can't call yourself a full-time comedian unless you were earning a living from it. Yeah? Yeah. But, and, yeah. and then the pandemic came and obviously uh, it affected the comedy industry. Um, and I think people understand that you, you've you got to, if you're another for you to survive, you've got to have a job. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Because not everybody's going to be on TV. Not everybody's going to get a sitcom. You know, it's just, it's not just not going to happen. Um Walk-wise, people know. I I, I remember uh, performing at what we call Up the Creek Comedy Club. Yes, that's near me. Yeah, and um, I I went there on a on a Sunday. It was a Sunday night um, because they have a comedy special on a so they have a, a show on Sunday. Um, and I went on stage, and a member of staff saw me in uniform, <laughs> and I I, I I just literally. Did not say anything until the next day. I, I took a day off, and then by Tuesday, my photo was was <laughs> had been passed around to say, "Guess what?" <laughs> uh, well, the secret is out. Oh, the secret, the secret is out. But they 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 understand because I think for me, um, when I said I'm an accidental comic, one of the things that I know has helped me uh, in terms of because uh, I do a lot of presentations. It's just the idea of going into a room where you've got strangers and making people laugh. Yeah, yeah? I, I mean, that's the whole, that, that's what I love whenever I go to see stand-ups or any theatre, really. It's that yeah. thing where there's, you walk into this empty space yeah. and either one person or several people come on and take you on a journey for an hour or two hours. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's changed in that space are those people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they've done that. They can do that. It's like magic. 
you know, yeah, it's, I, like, it's, it's like magic. So I always jump at any opportunity when it comes to public speaking. And that, that, that is a transferable skill. And, yes, but also, yes. but also that's the emo, emotional intelligence and being able to read the room. There are certain things that we can pick up straight away when we get into a room. Like, for example, when I was doing the African Zelensky show in Edinburgh, um, the, and, and, and it, the show was attracting Ukrainians and Russians. The very first night I did it, it attracted a uh, a Ukrainian. And I could tell straight away that he was from Eastern Europe. But I couldn't tell which part, whether it was Russia or Ukraine, but I knew it was one of the two. And I could, I could, you know, I could just smell it straight away. I could yeah. just smell that the, not necessarily the danger, just the fact that he was there on that. This was going to be an interesting show. So when I interacted with him and I said, oh, look, I, I want to know where you're from. He said, if I tell you where, you, where, where I'm from, this is going to change your show. And he was right, but in a good way. So no. when I said, and I said, I need to know. And he told me he was from Ukraine. <laughs> That's <laughs> you amazing. See, you can see the penny drop. <laughs> yeah. And talking and about the, Zelensky as well. It's like, so yeah. if you were, it, I mean, you can't write this stuff. I mean, he started for anyone that doesn't know that who wouldn't know, but I mean, he was an actor and then became president of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it stands to reason that at any given moment, you might have to step up here at some point. Are you ready for that? I am. So, you know, what's really interesting when Zelensky got elected in 2019, the number of people who came to me and said, my God, this reminds me of President Abonja. So I have I have played on it to, to to when I when I talk to the audience. So part of what I said in the African Zelensky show is that a lot of people don't know that Zelensky used to be a former comedian and that I used to gig with him, even though that's not true. But they believed it. That we we used to gig together, and I remember in 2019 we just finished a gig uh, before he became president, and I said to him, we were, we were both we were just talking and and joking around and said, Look, can you imagine if both of us become president of a country? Zelensky becomes president of a country. He's in 2023. Where am I? I'm at Leicester Comedy Festival playing to <laughs> an audience of 25. <laughs> That's so great. I bet that goes down a storm. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, yeah. And also, but also just the fact that it's very, very, it's, it's a very sensitive subject just talking about Zelensky because if you, if you go against him, because the point I was making on the show is that I, uh, I'm neither a comedian, I'm non-binary, I'm neither a comedian or, um, or, or dictator because I don't know who to support because, I, you know, Putin is my friend, Zelensky is also my friend because we used to keep together. And that the whole room just goes absolutely bonkers because you're either for Russia or you're for, or you're for Ukraine. And that was what was attracting Russians and Ukrainians to the show. It was, it was really interesting. And uh, so are you, you're doing the Edinburgh Festival this year, are you? I don't think so. I, oh. can, I don't think so. I have applied. I've applied, but um, I'm, I'm reflecting on it because I think it's just so expensive. Yeah, agreed. It's just, it's just so expensive. And I got away with it last year because I applied really late. And what I decided I wanted to do, because I wanted to try African Zelensky, was just to do shows where people had dropped out. So it was very, very sporadic. I was there for two weeks. Uh, but luckily for me, there were people who caught COVID as well during that uh, last year. So they pulled out of their shows and I just went in there and I did my show and I was just experimenting and just writing and just doing my stuff. Good idea. But I found out, I found, I found out that it was just expensive, even mm. though I was there for two weeks. It was just expensive. And I just thought there's got to be a better way, 
Well, that's way. it. You do start to think because I mean, I, I applied and I, I got offered one, and and it was when I worked it out. I was only doing it for two weeks myself as well, and yeah. um, I worked out the cost of it all. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm sure I would be better off spending this money on something else to do with the career of my comedy rather than just two weeks up in Edinburgh. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just even thinking that perhaps maybe I can explore going to the states, even if if it's two weeks in the states. I think that's better value. I know I know a promoter, I don't want to mention the promoter's name, they go regularly. And when I spoke to them this year, because I wanted to go with them and they said, look, I'm not going this year, Ben. I'm not going. And I don't, I, I, this is the advice I'll give. This is what he said to me. This is the advice I'll give you. If you are not a TV comic or if you don't have a big social media presence, don't go to Edinburgh this year. So, interesting. That's, yeah, it's it's really interesting because I yeah. think it's just, it's just, um, yeah, it's 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 not it's. Why can't you be spending four thousand pounds? I know, I know. For, people don't believe you when you when you say to like <laughs> civilians, as I'll call them, people that don't do Edinburgh. Um, when you say that, you know, just the accommodation was two grand. They're like, what? And I'm like, mm. yes, for a month yeah. to get anywhere decent, that's how much you pay. So, so I would ask you because for me, I I would have done it four times now. Um, what am I going to do in Edinburgh? Am I going there? That's that's the thing. Those are the things I've been thinking about. Am I going there to be discovered? Hell no. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. So what am I going there for? You know, am I going there to perfect a show? Can I, can I perfect a show in other small fringes? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think you're right as well. I think, um, you know, I think actually quite often performers have better success outside of their own country often as well. So mm. I think, you know, putting, like you just said, putting that money towards going to America or, or Australia or somewhere, yeah. somewhere new um, yeah. to introduce yourself, you you start on a more level playing field and you're, and yeah. you're yeah. seen as something different immediately because yeah. you're not from there. You're other already, aren't you? So. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and I just use the UK to gain the experience. I think that's 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 the way I'm looking at it. And if I'm going to go to Edinburgh, it will have to be, it has to be, okay, maybe I've got a week and it's a week or in a in a room where I can sell out. And I'm, yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm just, that I'm not going to be doing the hassle of flyering. I, I, I've, I've done it. I've been there. Yeah. We're all too old and long in the tooth for it now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about the age, but I think, I think it's, I think you just need to add value to your act, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I'm not, it's not like I'm a new comic. So uh, I, I need to respect the experience that I have gained over the years. And yeah, I, even last year, I did not fly. I didn't bother flying. I just thought if anybody comes, they come. Yeah. Know, even two or three, because I'm only there to perfect the art um, and not to be reviewed. Yeah, And actually, you've just reminded me of something that I really loved that you do a bit less now, because um, obviously we've been friends on Facebook all that time. But mm. like that means it doesn't mean that we've been mm. in constant contact since 2015. Yeah. But what I did what I did do, which is I'm assuming what most people do with Facebook, is that you do sort of keep tabs on people. And I used to love that after gigs, um, you used to do sort of like a little breakdown and, a, and a, you, you know, your internal thoughts about things. Um, and I used to really love that because of the honesty and the um, the thought provokingness of them. You know, it did it did make you think. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. So it's really interesting because I I, I stopped doing that because after the pandemic, well, during during the pandemic, I realized that look, I've got to find the right balance. And even when I was writing stuff, I was still thinking about comedy. 
and there's more to life than just comedy. That makes sense. Oh God. Um, but but also I think at times the way social media operates, it's almost like people who don't understand where you're coming from might see it as if you're bragging. Yeah. And yeah. and that wasn't what I was doing. It was a uh, uh, it was a way to just. So, so I, 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 so what I did was I decided that okay, fine. If I was even actually going to do something like that anymore, I need to separate Benjamin from the character on social media. So I use my fan page a lot now, and I just assume that the five thousand people who are on my Facebook page, some of them just want to be friends. It doesn't mean that they particularly enjoy my comedy. Those who really enjoy my comedy will be on my fan page. So there was one I wrote recently. Um, and it was uh, the Leicester Comedy Festival, and there was a there was a woman who was in the audience, and she's pregnant. And I was very cautious of the fact that the, at times when people find me really funny, they just it's they just laugh so loud, and it's like, and I was I was feeling for her in the sense that look, I don't want to make her <laughs> have a baby in. The, <laughs> you don't want to be responsible for the birth of child at your gig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then I turned around because people know this joke. I have this joke about having six wives. And I said that the way she was smiling, because every time she she, she found the joke funny, she will hold her stomach and then smile. And I, I wrote something that was funny that everybody, and I thought, yeah, people still enjoy this. And it was more like, oh, by the way, I don't know. The way she was smiling at me, I just thought, well, Am I the father of the baby? (laughs) (laughs) So the character can say those things, but I know there were more gig reports, but I just, I just thought that at times, yeah, I I appreciate the fact that you enjoyed it. Most people did, but there were a few people who I just thought, uh, but when I meet them at gigs and how they will mention, oh, you like to self-promote a lot. I just thought, oh, you're misunderstanding what those posts are about actually, because this is a very, um, it's a very lonely journey at times. That's the thing. And that's that you've hit the nail on the head. And that's why when I was doing, I've always preferred character comedy because of that as well, because I feel like I used to do a lot of the cabaret circuit as part of my Mm. character. And I find not that that I don't like the, the straight stand up comedy um, circuit as well, but they're very different. The cabaret people are, you just get obviously by the nature of it, a much more varied mixture type of people, you know, um, Mm from you know acrobats to musicians to stand-ups mm. to you know all sorts and it is quite different when it's just a room of just stand-ups and you're the only character comedian because mm. sometimes in a room of just stand-ups they can be very introverted and you can feel everyone can feel very awkward and it's mm. not necessary the green rooms are not necessarily what people would perceive them to be which is like a group of five six comedians waiting to go on all jolly and having fun Mm. sometimes it is but sometimes it it really isn't and it can feel awkward and there can be bitterness and egos and all sorts going on Mm. so I've never I've always found green rooms a bit like common rooms at school I used to hate them because like the cool kids all were in a group and I sort of never really know where I fit in so I tend to to try and avoid it really (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you, and I, and I, I have a, a, a well, almost a, a not necessarily a bit. Of, I, I, I genuinely think that there's a bit of uh, there were two things. I remember two quotations that were when I well, that, that's why I stopped writing about it. I was writing stuff. I said, oh, I really, I really enjoyed this gig. I, I smashed it, and blah 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 blah. And I'll, I'll tell people when I, when I, when I die on stage. But I hardly die on stage these days. Uh, not for not happen for many years. However, someone wrote and said. 
it's not comedy, it's method acting. And I said, wow. So you think I'm not performing comedy, but it's method acting. I said, what do you mean by method? I said, I went to go and Google what method acting was. And I just, and I just thought, why, why do you have to say that on the social media thing? And I just thought, there's a bit of, and I've heard people say, oh, he's just hiding behind the uniform. He doesn't tell any jokes. So it's, it's just, he's just shouting. And, and I just thought, hmm, it's quite possible that people are not entirely happy that, because the, you've seen, I'm not sure whether you've, you've not seen me perform, but but you've saw, you saw the stolen thing. But what's really interesting about the character is even before the character opens his mouth, people are already laughing. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's strange because my, one of my characters, Mary Magdalene, who came on in a full-blown wedding dress and she was an alcoholic Irish spinster that used to come on with a suitcase and dress like a bride, pissed, basically. Um, and she, she was the same. Obviously, people would guffaw the minute I came on because she yeah. was just horrendous. And and yeah. then she goes on to be more horrendous than you could possibly imagine as well. Um, yeah. But it's not cheating. That's not cheating. <laughs> but, but some people, some people would see that as cheating. And I, yeah. yeah, but and, and someone said to me actually, even straight stand-up comedians are characters. They're an exaggeration. Of course, of talking about it's just that it's not visible. It's not. It's not. You know, it, it's not as visible as someone wearing a uniform or someone wearing a wedding dress. But yeah. there is, there is. I fully understand that, that there is that division. I haven't created that division. It's just something I picked up. No, it but, definitely exists, and and it yeah. is it is it is tricky, and it's not always um, it's not always as as supportive as it could be, shall we say? Mm. <laughs> but I think the majority of people are supportive, and I think what's proved that is when um, you are under threat from one of the large companies, the fact yeah. that. From from small people that you know people won't have heard of, like myself, up to I mean, you had huge people weighed in on your behalf. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, and that's why I said I under, it was a, it was a, I, an eye opener in terms of how people responded because there were people. Who, I still have those tweets, not that I go reading them, but just at times when they crop up as memories. Yeah, I remember yeah. someone. I was someone. Someone writing to say when I first saw Bonjour. I had no idea what he was doing. I just thought, what the hell is this? This is a joke act. What I've grown to like what he does, even though I don't particularly like everything that he does, but what the industry is doing, the TV industry is doing is wrong. And there were so many comments like that. I just thought, oh, wow, I didn't know this is how people felt about my character. But it's 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 interesting, you know. But it had 2019 had to happen. But yes, I don't disagree with you. I got I got the support that I that I I I um I needed. And I've been thinking about, yeah, maybe. What is I don't know how many character comedians are in the UK. I don't know whether there's a network, but definitely it's something I've been thinking about. There should be a network in terms of you know networking and just supporting one another as well. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, like I said, I think the cabaret circuit is very uh, very supportive in that, and I and I've always kind of felt that that's where my characters always sort of belong in more of a cabaret show as part of that yeah. than. Because they stick out like a sore thumb often in a in a straight uh, in as part of a straight sort of lineup of comedians. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's very interesting, and I wonder if it confuses audiences sometimes as well. Um, It'd be interesting. So I can understand why on a lineup you can't have too many character comedians, or maybe you just have one or two. But I think at times, in my view, but there is something that they like. They like the character. We certainly do. Everybody yeah. does. <laughs> well, yeah, the majority. Exactly. You don't majority. get millions and millions of TikTok views and 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. The so whole industry something. supporting you if it, if it yeah, was disliked yeah. universally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think and I think genuinely promoters just need to take that risk. They just yeah. need to. Because like, like the comedy store, for example, I was told, I, I didn't know until I had done it several years that the comedy store doesn't like character comedy. Period. No, lots of people don't. When I first started out, I started out obviously doing characters um, mm. and I got into, I'd only been, I'd only done about four or five gigs before somebody said, um, you should uh, enter so you think that's funny. Um, mm. And so I did, I did the the first round of it. Um, mm. And um, yeah, and they and they wouldn't accept me as a character. They said, we we like you, but um, we want you to be you, not not the character, if you if yeah. you want to go to the next round. So I had to make a difficult decision, really, because I was very invested in her. And it's one <laughs> of my I know um, I know you shouldn't have regrets, but it is one of my regrets that I um, that I did it as me because I didn't want to then. I did later on mm. and I do stand up as me now. But um, mm. at the very beginning, I, I was very invested in character work and I mm. thought it was a shame that such a big competition didn't want characters but I mean it's their prerogative it's up to them it's not their thing but I, but, but, I think it's a shame but what's really interesting is that nobody tells you that I think that was the bit that was um upsetting for me for a number of not necessarily a number of years when I found out but people had known that I've been going to the comedy store to try and get a 20 and nobody said to me until I spoke to the you're never going to get it yeah <laughs> On that note, um, we've been gabbling on for nearly an hour now. Can you believe it's flown, oh, wow. flown, wow. flown, flown by? But yeah, it's yeah. so interesting. And um, I think it's it's helpful for people to get a, a bit of an inside view of of comedy and, and writers and, and writers that mm. are, although you're not, uh, the, the show's called Real Folk because I, I want to sort of champion people that people don't really know about. But mm-hmm. it's a bit of a different one with you because people do know about you, but not as you. So that's why I felt like you fitted, and I wanted to, I wanted to uh, grab you before you disappeared. The the truth of the matter is, Ben put on his Facebook. He's got so many millions of followers now, thousands. Um, mm-hmm. That he was going to do a cull, and I was like, oh my god, I've wanted to interview him for so long. And if he, did, <laughs> if, he if he deletes me off Facebook, I'll have no way of getting in touch with him. Um, and it's been so lovely talking to you and finding that's out a bit cool. more about the. Um, the the Ben behind the Abonjo. So if people want to look at your stuff, what what's your TikTok handle? I think that's oh, the it's very, thing, it's very isn't it? it's, it's, it's present Abonjo on there TikTok. Um, on Instagram is present Abonjo. On Twitter, you can find it as present Abonjo or at real Abonjo. I think that's it. Social media, Facebook fan page, present Abonjo. Uh, and as we yeah. said, if anyone wants to watch the ITV special that uh, Next Up did, it's um, search for it on your screens under President because it doesn't come up as stolen, which is the title of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and uh, good luck with everything. And um, I hope you go over to America and storm it. I mean, you've got a mm-hmm. built-in audience now, haven't you? Because um, <laughs> because you've already stormed America, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, when I look at the, the half a million, how many of them... Uh, in America, uh, at least about thirty-five or forty percent of that is from America. It's absolutely crazy. So, so they're think, waiting for you, Ben. Off you go. Yeah, they're waiting for me, but it's, it's, I, I don't want to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, <laughs> Ben. Be careful. Don't go. Don't go. Don't, don't, don't go. And I don't know. I don't know how. You know, I, I can walk on the streets in Britain with the uniform. I wonder how they will respond if they see me in uniform on the streets. Yeah. In the- it's it's um it's another it's, whole ball game isn't it yeah but it's it's it, i will soon find out i will soon find out i'm sure yeah I'm make, maybe uh, just get some sort of um bulletproof vest underneath it just for, just for safety <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you so very much. Thank you, Joe. Have a good Sunday. Have a good Sunday evening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Real Folk with me, Joe Burke.